Welcome back to the Comics Corner, everybody. As per usual, me, Sean, we're here chatting about some comics. We got a little new format today. Finish up the book from last week. So we're off the 100 greatest comics all time, but we're keeping the show going. That's right. Uh, today, I think we're going to get into maybe a couple books we wish we would have seen on there and just give our personal opinion why. The, the honorable mentions. The honorable mentions. <laughs> I feel like mine, I get why they're not on there, but I still, I think they're books people should know about yes. because they're good intro books to a lot of things. And I think we could do this for a couple episodes, just kind of pick a couple key books and talk about them. I totally agree. I mean, I'm happy if the show kind of becomes more just either books we're hearing about or even comics that are coming into play with all the new movies and stuff that are about to drop. Oh, yeah. I think there's so much stuff that we can get into for people to oh, be interested. Oh, yeah. You guys are going to really enjoy what we have coming. I mean, we're going to keep talking about all sorts of comic media, all the new shows and movies coming out. We'll just kind of discuss those. But yeah, I would say my main goal with this show, and I'm sure you could agree, is to just kind of people that are into superheroes but might not necessarily are familiar with comic books or the yeah. stories, just kind of get them familiar. If you want to learn a little bit, little bit more, you know? And I think also with such a boom in comics, it's not even necessarily that you need to read everything, but there's so many comics, it's so hard to figure out where to... There's no starting point that's oh, good. Oh, I know. Yeah. You don't... No one's ever like, how do I get into Superman? You're like, well, you got to read from 1942 <laughs> on. Like. <laughs> yeah, like, so I would say, you know, we're each going to go over three books, guys, that we would like to mention and talk about. And if you guys... If anybody that's listening just ends up going and picks up one of those six books, I'm happy. Oh, That'd be 100%. Cool. Um, before we get into that, though, as always, I'm happy to jump into some news. As predicted, Wonder Woman 2, 1984, has been a colossal failure. Oh, is there more? Uh, the number Are the numbers out? The numbers? <laughs> I, I want to say this thing did like under 100 million. There's just no one, especially it being on HBO for free. Right. There's no, HBO should be renting those movies. <laughs> I don't understand how that's not a com wouldn't be a common idea thing that just have Disney Plus when they release new shit. Oh it's, yeah, you rent Mulan. I think they had trouble getting people to do that though. Were they having? Yeah, but what, I know what Wonder Woman did once it was off HBO Max. I know that it ended up on the PlayStation Store and you could rent it or buy it. Yeah, I just so one I don't know. not a great movie. No, as we've already discussed, but I think this is just another nail in the coffin of the DC extended universe that I don't think the new just or the new suicide squad could be the best movie on the planet. And I still think that universe for the most part is just imploding on itself. Yeah. You know, you might see a big like reformatting almost like Marvel went through. Well, I know what they want to do is they're trying to do a flash movie okay. and they're trying to go flashpoint paradox. And Which would be great. The idea <laughs> of Flashpoint Paradox in a movie is fantastic. Yeah. If you've read Flashpoint Paradox or seen the cartoon movie for it, I mean, the money that they would have to put up to do a, a good Flashpoint Paradox, it's almost a two, three-part movie within itself. And then they're really hinging on that, I think, to be how they redirect the universe. But nothing's confirmed. Those are all just rumors. They're all just rumors. And the fucking, this Flash movie has been scheduled to get made by six different directors. It's been in the works forever. Who, is Ezra Miller still the Flash? So that's what I was going to mention. I feel like, like, didn't something happen with him? Didn't he, like, choke a fan or something like that? Crazy He's like that? He's had some issues other than, you know, possibly lacing me with marijuana. <laughs> um, but no, he's definitely had some prior issues and he wanted to be really hands-on with it too which i get edward norton situation Ed norton style <laughs> and that just is a lot especially when your movie doesn't even have a director it's your quarterback trying to coach the team without even having a head coach and it's like that situation works when you're the mouthpiece for a head coach but when there's not even a real plan and you're yeah. just barking orders Everyone's like, what the fuck are you even talking but I, about? I could have swore I heard like a while back that Ezra Miller was no longer the Flash because he did some... That he did some shit? Yeah, like it wasn't even like they canceled him. It was like he like choked somebody like in like 
in public. I could definitely see Ezra Miller he going down. Kinda, that. Like he's got that look in his eye. He's kind of like looks a little unhinged. He's a, he's a squirrely guy. Or he just yeah, very squirrely. Maybe smokes a lot of laced marijuana. By the way, if you want to hear the story of Pat, uh, you know, getting some illicit substances from Ezra Miller, check out our Patreon page. Oh yeah, I forgot that that's on. That's Patreon. Uh, Threads and Dreads at patreon.com backslash threads and dreads five dollars a month you're getting a bunch of f- new episodes yeah. unheard content and get to hear about ezra miller and me and our story in uh <laughs> what was it oberlin oberlin <laughs> at his cool band show yeah and then you then the moving blanket was your uh only My source bad. of warmth for the night um but you were also saying you were getting into one of my favorite shows paul dini tim uh, Bruce, Tim. Bruce Timverse, but Justice League. Yeah, are you? If they so they're considering bringing back Batman animated series on HBO, new episodes. I uh, would you almost rather a continuation of Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, because then you're not necessarily mucking up that really beautiful universe yeah. you kind of have in the Batman realm. Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe say just lean towards more of the Justice League. Here's the thing, like, dude, there's so many Batman animated shows. There, there's one, the most recent one's just called The Batman. Yeah. And, like, there's, you know, that's great that they're still putting out these shows, but we don't need to, and there's, not, not to mention, there's been enough reboots in general. Let's, uh, let's keep the animated series where it was. It, it You know, it ended greatly. I'm know, happy like. to have more Paul Dini, Bruce Tim stuff. Yeah. Especially animated wise obviously but i would be happy for them to not necessarily because even the jump between batman the animated series and the new batman adventures which is like the last season or two yeah there was that show too yeah which is still in theory in that same timeline but it's like all those revamps some people felt certain ways about characters yeah and for better or worse but it's like now if you have a third one how many people does that upset because Mr. Freeze doesn't have the same voice and everyone's like bugging out. The only thing I could be down with, because what was great about Batman the Animated Series was how it led right into Batman Beyond, more or less, Yeah, which was great. Why don't you do like a prequel? In, so in it could be like a year one type Batman, early Batman, so you still have all these maybe like... Because um, in the Animated Series, a lot of these... The, the main villains, except for like Edward Nigma, like don't really get like a backstory. They're just kind of there. Like, yeah. There's no Joker origin. There's no like Penguin origin. Uh, so it'd be cool to kind of maybe go up and do that. But then again, like I guess Gotham, that show is doing that right but now. I think but. doing it in an animated way could be better where you do have a young Batman who's kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but I also think doing it with the Justice League could be a great thing because then they can really start. It's almost doing the way they had action comics back in the day, where you can throw a couple characters against the wall, see how people respond to them, yeah. see how writing stories feels for them, and then if someone goes, oh, man, I really have a knack for writing Plastic Man. Oh, well, now maybe we give you some more money and you write a script for it, versus all these fucking movies just loosely getting made and written by people who have never written that character yeah. before. I think what would be cool, maybe even if they did something like uh, they do like two part, like a A episode and a B episode and do it like, you know, like 11 minute episodes, but he focus on one hero each time. Exactly. So like do a Batman one and then do like a Green Lantern one. I totally agree And then with next that. week it's different. Next week it's Superman and then there's like a Wonder Woman story. Yeah, I think you can have standalone episodes. I don't think it needs to be a huge universe yeah. that also it doesn't need to be messing with the things that people grew up on where if it's always in gotham you're gonna get so many people nitpicking dumb shit that's like like oh the the light post used to be taller in the original version (laughs) and you're like who cares why do you notice this yeah um well the one thing about that justice league show i want to talk about too was and i feel like this was the start of what's still going on with Aquaman, where they just they'd have to try to make him as cool as possible. Oh yeah. So do you remember the episode? I think it was a two, it was a two parter, um, and it's the one where Aquaman has to cut off his own hand, like 127 hours style. Really? Yeah, he has to. <clears throat> that was in the cartoon. Yeah. Well, they don't show him hacking off his hacking hand, but off his... he takes off his little um, a like like uh, belt buckle thing, which is actually like a blade. Yeah. And. He just ah, and he in the next scene you see him, and he's just got like a bloody nub that's bandaged up, and then he gets that harpoon hand. Do you remember that harpoon hand? Aquaman is such a joke, like ridiculous. <laughs> that, 
like, that's what I'm saying. They're always trying to update Andy on him. And like he has a beard, he's got long hair. Oh, like they just had to make him so cool. They you wanted know? Aquaman. Because Aquaman just became a joke because everyone added in the like talking to fish thing. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah, they really try to double down on making him like the cool even Jason Momoa yeah. being Aquaman is nothing like comic book Aquaman at all. But I think they kind of, like I said, based They're, that off of this cartoon. Oh, that's for sure. He's got the long hair, he's got the beard, and he's muscular. Someone shit. definitely suggested Jason Momoa losing a hand during the Justice League <laughs> movie to be like we could do it. Yeah, I mean, okay, I actually thought the harpoon hand was kind of cool, but what's funny, so the whole run on this episode is um, Aquaman's brothers trying to assassinate him, and okay. you usurp, usurp the... Ugh. The throne? Usurp the throne. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> uh, so there's an assassination attempt, and Aquaman's in the hospital, and they're like, they got him up to all these machines, like, why isn't he getting better? And Batman just shows up out of nowhere, he's like, I know. And they just put him in this tank of salt water. Oh my god! And it was like, it's or it's like saline or whatever. And they're like, "Why didn't we think of that? He's a fish." <laughs> it. They even when they try to write Aquaman cool, he still looks like a fucking loser. And that's the biggest problem is everyone's trying to write him cool instead of just writing him like a normal character. And also, Aquaman does kind of suck. There's a reason no one gives a fuck about Namor in yeah. Marvel. Uh, yeah. Aquaman has just, for some reason, been getting like all this extra love from DC, and you're like, let's just replace him with any of the 150 characters you have. I want to find like a really like racy Aquaman book from like the 40s or 50s and try to get him canceled, just so we yes. can never see him yes. again. So we never have to <laughs> see what his Twitter account looks like. Yeah. What's the official Aquaman? Aquaman page? was best friends with Dr. Seuss. Man, he's fucking canceled. What <laughs> happened with Dr. Seuss? I heard he's canceled now. Yeah, there are these books that have been in circulation like forever that have some very racially insensitive. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Drawings. Yeah. But like people are just finding out about them now. But like they've literally been like on bookstore shelves for years, which doesn't give it a pass. But it, that's just a very interesting story. We're not here to talk about cancel culture, though. No, I, <laughs> I was just say the only thing I my only thought on that would be you would think that would be obviously at the time it was the socially acceptable thing. Not saying it's right now, but that's how they originally went in production. You would think it'd be on an editorial staff or someone printing these books to be like. You know what? Let's take this these images out. Anyways, my whole thing, and I said this on the show before, people already knew Dr. Seuss was an asshole. This came out years ago that he, I think it was the story is his wife had cancer and had like a in-house nurse caretaker, and Dr. Seuss was cheating on his dying wife with, with the, the cancer nurse. So he classic. was already like I already knew he was a scumbag. Like, and people would just act like there's you know, it's all about everyone's you know so woke. I'm more woker than you, and and, yeah. and so aware of everything. And it's also. Go like let's solve current issues. Yeah, solving the Dr. Seuss problem hasn't fixed anything for it, anyone. It really like, hasn't. You know, I, I get that. This is something where it's one email could be sent to a <laughs> publishing company to say, "Hey, I don't want to make a huge deal of this, but this does seem very problematic. I think you guys should really relook into it." I'm not trying to start. And it, maybe it did go down like that, but either but way. But then someone on Twitter obviously was like, look what Dr. Seuss has done. We should kill this man. And they're like, he's dead. He's and they're dead. like, good. <laughs> he probably died. Yeah. Um, and it was it's the same thing. Like someone, I think it was like Bill Burr. Someone's like, you know, people coming up to me. Did you read what John Wayne said in Playboy in 1970? I didn't read it. No, but I'm guessing it wasn't great. Yeah, like That's exactly what all this is, is like. Hey, did you see that thing from 1940? And I'm like, well, I bet it wasn't tastefully drawn. But I'll end with saying the the worst part about the situation, much like our good friend, shout out Katie Cakes, Dr. Seuss, not a doctor. Not a fake doctor. <laughs> I think Katie's more of a doctor than the him, Dr. man. The Dr. Seuss. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, I mean, she's at least bringing, giving juices and supplements to the people. To, yeah, Dr. Seuss is just fucking nurses. Yeah. <laughs> And fucking nurses and honest to God, just making up words to rhyme with one another oh, to too. write books for fucking children. Yeah, if that didn't didn't piss you off enough, this motherfucker. Well, technically, all words are made up, my friend. Well, but. okay, that's <laughs> fair. But his aren't even words that have become. Some of them have come into the actual zeitgeist, but there's other ones that you're like, yeah, this isn't like a real word, dude. You just said zappity do green eggs and ham. Oh, so they're spoiled. Great, I'll yeah, enjoy this. Not good. <laughs> um. <laughs> You want, you want to jump into it or what? Yeah, let's jump into... Do, do you want to go first? I'll go first. We'll, go, we'll trade back and forth, but we're each going to pitch you guys with three books that we felt maybe should have made this countdown, but if not, they're at least worth mentioning. So so I'm going with my first one is 
Batman Long Halloween. Written by Jeff Loeb and art by Tim Sale. Okay. Amazing book. If you haven't read it, it's a Batman book that's actually a detective book for once where it's not just him being like super strong or having a gadget. It is a mystery throughout the whole book. That's awesome. And you get to see the creation of a lot of different characters. You get the creation of Harvey Dent. So you have him becoming Two-Face. Spoiler, if you've never, <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to this, if you know Harvey Dent became Two-Face. Um, but it has a good, the art is amazing. It's a very different take on Batman. And it's a self-contained story within itself. So it's Batman trying to figure out who this holiday killer is. He's dealing with the early stages of Gotham still being very heavily run by crime families. So it does have a little bit of Batman Begins. Yeah, I've always liked that. That's always a cool element they put into the story. Yeah, I like that when Batman first kind of starts. Are like the Falcones in it? The Falcones are the main family in it. Gotcha. So I like when early Batman stories or when he's supposed to be early in his career, that it is more actual normal crime that we think of and that the rest of Gotham evolved into this insane costume character thing because Batman is the start of it. Like, none of them would have escalated to that had someone else not escalated to wearing a costume to stop crime. And it that's what develops all these people into being fucking giant cycle. Yeah, that's that's a theme that's been introduced a few times as far as like, you know, we wouldn't have all these quote unquote super villains yeah. if there wasn't a, a guy running around, yeah, superheroes, you know, running around beating them to a pulp every night. And it's because it's almost a superhero. It does a good job of showing that the superhero almost entices super villains to become what they are because we're just up for, the ante. Yeah, for them it's fun and it's this is how we want to be. It's like, "Oh, watch me do it better." Yeah. Watch me become the Riddler. Watch me become Two-Face. and But it is still... Yeah, now they're all trying to one-up each other. This yeah. isn't good. <laughs> and it still has that grounded feeling. And there's also a slight little sequel to it, which is... I want to say... Fuck. There's Long Halloween. Dark Victory Okay, is kind of like a sequel to it. But they just have the art style. Fucking beautiful. And this was like uh, 2000s? I want to say it was maybe in, like, late 90s. We're going to take a look real quick here. But I just like a book, too, that has um, that has a bunch of villains in it. Where oh, yeah. You kind, it's not just one main antagonist the whole time. You get to see a bunch of different characters. And with Batman, to me, that's what you want. Is Even if Poison Ivy's in it for one scene to, like, beat down a door and get some information from her, you're like, cool, I remember that character. Yeah. This is sick. Oh, that's why That's why. Uh, like those Arkham games are so great, especially Arkham City specifically, because when I first played that, I was blown away because like there's every villain in it, and the majority of them are in the, the main story. Some of them are in the, the sideline stories, but it literally, it's like, Starts off with like the Joker. Then you have to go. You have to go see Penguin at the museum, and then yeah. you have to go see uh, Mister Freeze at the old GDP GCPD building. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just think when with Batman and Spider Man, those two specifically, you want to see all the villains yes. because you're so used to these are all the characters I know. You know so many. There's so many iconic characters from Spider Man and Batman that you're like, oh, if these aren't in it. If I'm gonna just see my favorite character for like even two seconds, they're like, oh, Bane wasn't even in it. He's the best one. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, there was like two minutes of Bane. That's fine. Bane's in the game too. Yeah, it, he's he's part of the side mission where you have to blow up all the Titan formula containers that are scattered around the city. I was gonna city. say it how many of those Arkham games are there? I believe there's four or five. There is Arkham Asylum, there's City, Arkham. Origins, which is a prequel, which was pretty good. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best, but... I mean, coming off of Arkham uh, City, it just was disappointing. And then there's Arkham Knight, but I feel like I'm missing one. I know of four. Okay. And and Arkham Knight, or no, is it... Oh, Origins is the one that has Deathstroke. And it's actually kind of cool. It's like Batman's like still... It's like a you know early Batman, and they're actually... there's like a He has like a bounty on him. Everyone's trying to I, kill him. I was going to say, unpopular opinion, I kind of think Deathstroke is cooler than Deadpool. 
Yeah, I mean, he is the original, like, you know. Was it? I thought it was, oh, he was the original. Yeah, because they, they just, it was a nod to, I mean, Deadpool is basically like. The rip from Deathstroke. It's the rip of Deathstroke, and then you got those little uh, Wolverine elements in there, too. He's the, literally like the two of them combined. Yeah, because I just watched Deadpool 2 today. I slept through half of it. But yeah. I like Deadpool 2. It, it's good, but you're kind of just, I want to know what Disney's going to do and how. I think they can make Deadpool better. Like Deadpool 2 was good, but there was just a lot of parts I was like, whatever. It just kind of is like all happening and it's too many just like my balls jokes. <laughs> well, it's funny. My girl my girlfriend liked it, so I'll take it cuz she doesn't like like any superhero movies. You're like, hey, so I'm like, oh sweet. Yeah, we can now we can get into this we'll watch she Deadpool likes, 2 every night. Absolutely. <laughs> well, she hasn't seen the first one yet, but I just like she actually started with the second one. Okay. Cuz I just wanted to put something on and I had recently watched the first one, but now she wants to see the first one again. I'm like, I'll rewatch it, fuck it. I mean, Deadpool is both those movies are also really light movies that don't have a ton of connection. And they're not super long either. They're they're short yeah. to the point. It's all action. It's all action and comedy. Right. They do an amazing job at that. And even Disney came out and said they're like, "We're not going to change this. Did this you, works." Did you catch that part where when uh, Deadpool calls um, Cable Thanos? Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Josh Brolin. <laughs> I mean, that, that was great. I do like that though that he lives in that weird universe, and he could be a mouthpiece for adults watching a rated R Marvel movie to kind of have way more inside jokes and appeal to a broader sense of there's not a lot of comedy movies anymore. Deadpool okay. is almost like, I feel like one of the bigger comedy franchises at this point. Yeah. Oh, those, those movies make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and they're predominantly a comedy action movie. Yeah. It's Jumanji for adults. People love, yeah. I and mean, people love that, you know, and people like Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Uh, he's one of those guys you like, don't want to like, but you're like, well, he's funny. He's charming. Like, and they do a good job of fitting in characters too, and kind of makes fun of himself too a little bit oh, sometimes. That, yeah, but he knows he has the like foresight or awareness awareness to be like, yeah, I get it. I'm a fucking celebrity. Yeah, I'm and a pretty is, boy. I know. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is my job, and it's like, all right, just have fun with it. Stop. Either embrace it. Because at this point, everyone's just like, oh, I'm really, I'm not a celebrity. It's like, I don't need <laughs> more Shiola like buffs. Be like, hey, I'm a huge star. Yeah. What do you want? Like, <laughs> let me just give you this stuff. They're at least nice people about it. For sure. What was the year on that Batman book, by the way? You said? 96, 97. Oh, it is a little Long Halloween. So it There's is. Some, dude, I've been diving into some crazy 90s Batman books. Like, the storylines are absurd. Like, the one he gets, like, trapped in a video game. Oh, yeah. He, with Robin. Like, it's, and those, the cover is crazy. Those 90s books, they were just shooting for the stars. Yeah. And just letting anything go down. Because that's when you had a bunch of resurgence of comics. And people, that was that, like, latest comic boom. Of people wanting to buy comics, hold on to them, and think they're going to be worth a million dollars one day. Oh, yeah. So everyone's getting all these crazy covers, and you're getting all this extra stuff with it. And then the 2000s came, and they were just like, Yeah, it was actually a uh, Detectives comic where he's like stuck in the the video game or whatever. Oh, I want... That's kind of like the 90s episode where they're in the Minotaur game. Dude, that's Uh, the best. Don't you have it? It's right there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the, the one. Wall. Yeah. Yeah, that I was one of my favorites when I was a kid, man. I would rent that from Blockbuster like all the time. I those, I it's insane how out. iconic those stories have become, though. That Have you ever read any of the Batman Animated Adventures um, comics? Oh, like from the show? Yeah. Um, I had one that was like, it was kind of like a kid's book. Okay. But it, and it came with a uh, a cassette tape that read the story to you Love in the it. villain's voices, which was sweet, but it was that episode Almost Got Him. Okay, gotcha. You remember that one? And then like the end, it revealed it, he's actually Batman is sitting at the poker table with them, disguised that, yep, as Killer Croc. Yep, classic. Um, no, I was just saying, I know they did a whole series though of comics based off Batman Adventures. Yeah. After the show ended. Oh, cool. That adds a whole bunch of lore to it because I do follow this uh, database database watchtower on. YouTube, I think that's the channel. Is that the one where you get all your random little factoids from? I do. I got a lot of channels that I just watch to. It's such a good background thing to put yeah. on where I'm like, you'll have to make me a list. Sometime. I was gonna say I can definitely. What's your uh, What's your next 
What's your recommendation? For the book? Your honorable mention. Oh, so okay. So my first book on my list, um, and I think I had mentioned this at one point, and I thought it might show up, but um, it is Fantastic Four number 51. Okay. From 1966. Um, so the thing about this book, it's um, right after the big Galactus Silver Surfer conflict. Okay. So, so that's that? already well and done. 48 through 50. Yeah, it's done. Galactus, they defeated Galactus in Got 50. Got his bitch ass. <laughs> and... What's important to note is at the end of that book, the thing is starting to kind of feel down and out about himself. He's just going through one of his depressed, like, I'm a fucking rock monster. This the sucks. The thing is always pretty depressed, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, because it just sucks. Like, he's a fucking rock monster, and he just wants to look normal again. So fast forward to this book, number 51. He's just kind of roaming the streets, just kind of pissed off and depressed. Is he in his uh, classic... The trench coat. Trench coat I think with he the is. Hat. I think he is actually. And, what a uh, good disguise. Raphael uses that in Ninja Turtles. I know as well. it works every time. If you no go one, to the movies, you yeah, know. No one ever. Oh, he's just wearing a trench coat. Must be fine. <laughs> so he's roaming the street. It's raining. You know, setting the mood a little bit. And uh, he meets this mysterious stranger, who I, somehow gets him to get come up into his apartment and uh, sleep one off. So as the thing is sleeping on the couch, uh, this guy who you find out his name is Ricardo Jones. Sick um, name. hates Reed Richards. Reed Richards is his sworn enemy, and the interesting part is Reed Richards doesn't even know who he is. But what's very kind of, it's kind of stupid, but... He cut him off at the Salsa Club. Right. I, he, so he hates Reed Richards because he thinks that he's into science just for all the glory and doesn't really care about discoveries and this and that. He's just doing it for the, for the fame. Which is something no one ever says. No one's like, you're only into science for the fame, you bitch. <laughs> right. Like, oh, you just want to cure diseases. You're awful. Like, yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> but he, but with Reed Richards, you know, he's more into time and space and doing things like that. So, yeah, Reed anyways. Richards is literally breaking through into new dimensions while this Ricardo Jones suit is sitting there being like a bitch Well, ass. he's about to. And that's, this is where it gets interesting. So Ricardo Jones, while the thing is asleep on the couch, has this machine that literally steals the thing's powers and actually literally transfers them from the thing to him. So the thing is turned back into Ben Grimm, just normal human being Ben Grimm. And this imposter, they call him the imposter thing, Ricardo Jones, is now looks like the thing. So he rolls up into the Baxter building. They think it's the thing. And he's like, perfect. He's plotting and scheming to, to destroy Reed Richards, basically. Um, before he can, Ben Grimm shows up going, hey, uh, that's not the thing. It's me. Like, and so I'm regular Ben Grimm, yeah, guys. Yeah. So somehow <laughs> the imposter thing convinces him, like, no, like that's just some guy that looks like Ben Grimm. I am the real thing. And they're like, you're right. They believe him. <laughs> the the ability to trick comic book characters in the 60s was so fucking yeah, easy. Specifically in the 60s. Yeah, let's keep that in mind. You just had like a Spider-Man mask on with regular clothes and you're like, no, I'm Spider-Man. So that guy's just a guy that looks like Peter Parker. So they're literally just like, get out of here, you doppelganger. And the imposter thing is like, well, I didn't think that would work. <laughs> so anyways, the- Also uh, real bad friends to Ben Grimm there. I'm just being like, get out of here, you liar. Yeah. I know you look exactly like my old friend before he turned into rocks, but- you're a bitch. But Get out. I think I think at the same time, Reed Richards is like, ah, like maybe that was him. Ah, who cares? I'm working on this machine. So, anyways, they um, this is the first appearance of the Negative Zone. So, Ooh. Reed Richards has been working on this machine pretty much through a lot of the, this little run of the uh, event um, of Fantastic Four in the late '60s. This is pretty. Typical of Reed Richards, though, to get way too caught up in building something and just letting very important things seemingly fall through the cracks. Yeah. That he's just like, I'm working on a doorway. And they're like, the whole building's on fire. And we have two people saying they're the thing. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm working on a project. I yeah. need the glory. And that's exactly what happens. So um, he has the thing. Once he gets the machine turned on and it's literally like a big portal into the negative zone. Yeah. They tether up. Reed Richards, and the imposter thing is holding the tether. And as he's just kind of exploring around this cool, very trippy kind of uh, universe. Oops, shouldn't have ate that popcorn. Butterfingers. <laughs> he actually doesn't let go of the tether. The tether snaps. And, Whoa, okay. And Reed Richards pretty much accepts his fate. And it's at this moment in time, the imposter thing, Ricardo Jones, goes, oh, my God. He's not just in it for the fame. He actually cares about science. He'd, he would sacrifice himself just so people know about this amazing discovery. And so at that moment, he has a change of heart. He is able to grab the snapped tether, yank Reed Richards back into the present time zone, and then he actually sacrifices himself and dies in the negative zone. Pretty ha crazy. 
Damn. So, and then I then I got stuck in the rabbit hole of the, the negative zone. Oh, that was the first appearance. So when else does it appear? Oh, it appears here. And uh, do you know who like Annihil- runs? Annihilation. Annihilation's from negative zone, yeah. So that was kind of interesting reading about that. And then he becomes a big uh, Fantastic Four villain later on. Well, and that's, uh, speaking of Annihilation, he was what people said that the Doom in the Fan Four-tastic or whatever, the newest Fantastic I didn't Four see movie. It. I haven't seen it either. That's who it's supposed to be, though? Basically, they said... I was watching something on comic book actors playing characters that they weren't supposed to be playing. Okay. So it's basically them playing Bane when really they're actually doing Solomon Grundy. And that's what they said Doom was in that newest Fantastic Four was just like a mindless person living in the negative zone ruling over it. And they're like... That's annihilation. Just do the character. Yeah, that's so dumb. Of, but all these comic book movies end up wanting to seem original, wa- but they're not. They well, they want a, a character to have a personality that they like from one person, but then they it doesn't have the name recognition. Mm-hmm. So, annihilation doesn't have the re- name recognition of Doctor Doom, but it's like, oh, we want it to be like this. That's just weird. It it's just poor writing, yeah. and it's. Poor de- character development that you can't just rely on. No Fantastic Four movie is going to do good with Doctor Doom in the first one at this point. Yeah, because he's so, been in everyone. Yeah, but um, so Annihilation was. It's kind of interesting. I was reading too about him, like in the later comics, he eventually kidnaps all the um, all the heralds that that Galactus has, including Silver Surfer, and teams up with Thanos too at one point in the, these later comic books and then like I think Drax end up saving the Silver Surfer I'm like this is pretty cool I want to read this run so that was kind of cool getting into that but um in the end I think they, they obviously realized oh wait it was Ben Grimm it was uh yeah they're like the uh, sorry you, bud Ben but, but uh, I next drinks on me bud again in typical like 60s uh comic book dumb you know, once this Ricardo imposter thing dies, the powers are transferred back to Ben Grimm. So he becomes a rock monster again, right when he shows up at Alicia, his girlfriend's house, to propose to her. Because yeah. now he's a regular person. To give her that good dick. Yeah, and now he's it's back to rock, rock dick. dick. <laughs> and he's like, fuck. And she's like, dude, I don't care. I'm blind. I'm blind. I'll marry you. <laughs> and I like your rock dick, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I think it. it's cool. It's, it's awesome. It's it's rocky. <laughs> Always hard. <laughs> Zing. Um... So no, yeah, that's that's, de- that's mine. That's mine. I think that's definitely that's a good pull, just because it one negative zone is just. I think it's going to become a huge thing coming eventually into Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's always been a big part of Marvel Comics. You have Jails in the negative zone, Annihilation, obviously, and his whole horde is in the negative zone. Yeah, they're always kind of a persistent problem. Sure. Um, I was going to say for. My second one, I'll switch over to Marvel. It's kind of a two-parter because one I think actually should have been on there, and the other one is just my favorite version of sure. this. But the 1991 Jim Lee X-Men number one issue that dropped, selling eight million cop eight million plus copies, yep. is ridiculous that that wasn't on there. I agree. They really should have been on the list. And Jerry not, Jerry Weist. Come, I was going to say, it's not even, on, it's not a great comic. I just w- kind of went through a video of like re, re-going over yeah, it. Yeah, nothing just, really happens. I've read it before. I was just, it's Magneto's in, the, in it though, right? It's like a Magneto story. It's them in the danger room for the yeah. most part. And then some, some astronauts going to visit Magneto in space and trying to like bring him back into the fold. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to do anything anymore. Right. And he's just like, fuck this. And they're like, no. It's it's very all over the place. But hands down, Jim Lee draws the coolest version of X-Men. It is very cool, yeah. I mean, Jim Lee from... There's so much uh, precision and style in it. it. It truly is. I don't know if you've ever read Hush, which is also... Which is a Batman comic. No, it's on my list. I gotta read it. Jim Lee does the art on that, too. And it is fucking beautiful. It's the kind of art... I would never frame a cover of like a comic really, but a Jim Lee cover or Jim Lee original art, him and Alex Ross are the only two that I'd be like, yeah, this makes sense because it is a complete art piece. Yeah. Versus the way he does Killer Croc is so devolved in Hush. 
it looks insane. So how long did Jim Lee do that? That X Men. Yeah. Run? So that, that that revamped X Men. How long did that go for? Do that, you know? I'm honestly. I think like the, more than a hundred. I want to say he he might have been on for. I would guess probably a brief period of time, just because of the fact that he went if this image. came out in '91, him and Todd McFarlane started Image in the mid '90s. Right. So I would guess he was probably on it for a couple of years, but. I just think that, but the re- book kept going after the he book. Left. Kept, yeah, I knew he left. At yeah, some the point. book kept yeah. going because the book actually then jumps over in that same numbered run into one of my favorite X Men stories, which is e-, "E is for Extinction" by Grant Morrison, coming oh. out. I want to say in like two thousand two, two thousand three era, but they kind of rebranded it as New X Men. So when I would go to the comic shop, I was like, hey, do you have any new X-Men? And Carol, the lady who ran it, yeah. would just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> I read it from the fucking library. It says new X-Men. Yeah. So I go in the store to ask for new X-Men. And she's like, what? And you just get checked instantly. Yeah, I just get checked instantly as a little kid. Joke's on her. I got a fucking file there that I haven't unloaded in uh, years. Oh, you're st- you still got a file up there? I mean, I'm sure after I didn't pick it up for a decade, they probably <laughs> put the books back somewhere. That's a shame. Oh, well. I- I'll go in there sometime and ask. Um, but no, the ES for Extinction, the uh, Grant Morrison run, is so fucking cool. It starts off with this lady, Cassandra Nova, who, very mysterious, she's doing all sorts of mental manipulation and holograms and shit. Basically, her whole plan is to revive these Sentinels that are, I want to say called Sentinel Primes, or they're basically organic wild Sentinels that okay. just started creating more Sentinels and shit. And Life uh, uh, finds a way. Li- life <laughs> does find a way, <laughs> even with robots. Um, but she fucking hates mutants. At first, you think she's the sister of Professor X. Right. You find out she's not the sister of Professor X, and she's a fucking alien or something. And at the time, a bunch of... They had Genosha in the comics. And if you're not familiar with Genosha, it's basically island country that all the mutants lived on. Oh, gotcha. Magneto was like, hey, we can... If you're a mutant, you can come live in Genosha. It's totally safe. You're sovereign nation. Sovereign nation. <laughs> and Cassandra Nova was like, thanks for getting everyone all together, and kills like... 3.1 million mutants, which, again, at this time is so important because she kills all these mutants. You have House of M going down. You It leads into where X-Men are today yeah. with without Cassandra Nova in the Marvel Universe. Mutants would be clearly the dominating species. Absolutely. Like, human... It's like, but she brings some balance to it. She brought a balance to it that I think Marvel needed without doing a hard reboot. It was a logical way of destroying a lot of mutants and not having to have an event or some big cataclysm that involves everyone and it's a year long storyline bullshit. He was just like, no, what if they're all just on an island and we destroy the island? Right. I think uh, I think the guys from Futurama ripped that storyline off. Do you remember the one where they get all the robots on the one uh, island yeah. to destroy them because the, they put out too much emissions? They put too- <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they ripped that right out the comic. And that that Grant Morrison run also has Quentin Quire, which is one of my all-time favorite X-Men characters. They kind of do a almost – it's almost like a weird punk, like English – skinheads type vibe of they're wearing like sweater vests that have crossbones but an omega symbol on it these are uh, the bad guys they were kids in the school at xavier institute under this grant morrison run and this was a story that follows the ex for extinction and this is what like originally got me hooked but it's like such a weird punk version of kids at the school yeah like the one kid has purple mohawk that's just kind of like laying flat type shit and they're all doing drugs that enhance their mutant powers. Yeah. And it's like an inhaler. And that's always something that I'm just so interested in of what are regular people doing during this? Like, is anyone at Xavier Institute like, 
Yeah, dude. Of course, I got an eighth for you. Like, come mm. on, man. I got a quarter. It's like, like that wizard weed. Yeah, you're I just want to know what other people are doing because it would make no sense for them to be like, "Oh, we don't do. En- We're all straight edge here." Like, there's no mutant who's just like, "I'm a drinker, man. I can fly. It is an issue, <laughs> but I get no DUIs. I'm great." Well, I'll definitely check that book out. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, before. Grant Morrison's entire run on the new X Men. So is that your third one now? Did you do? No, that was my <laughs> the yeah the double. That was my one of my doubles there. Well, that's good. You you mentioned that because my next one is kind of like a twofer as well. Okay, but it the main one is going to be Marvel Premiere number fourteen from nineteen seventy four. This is a Doctor Strange book. Okay. Okay. So um, shout out Doctor Strange two Multiverse of Magic for sure. We Madness. are so ready for that. We love you, Doc. We love you, Benedict. But so interesting to note about this, Doctor Strange, of course, had his own title for a while, um, and then they just kind of stopped. I was going to say, I feel like Doctor Strange has had a little bit of a tough run in his standalone series. It's a popularity thing, and they've just tried different things, but this was fantastic because... You said this was 70s? This was 74 when this premiere came out, but... So what they did was when they wrapped up, and actually this is a good segue from my last book, which was that Fantastic Four Fifty One. Yeah, kind of like a six degree separation. This, and by the way, that was a Jack Kirby. Okay. So what's great about this, the Fantastic Four started to bring in more characters. They the you know, first appearance of Black Panther was literally like two issues after this. After book, that, I just went Fantastic over. Fantastic Four does introduce and bring light to a lot of really big names that end up coming through the Marvel yeah. universe. So and then um, and then there's one with. The Beehive, are you familiar with them? They are the group of scientists that created Adam Warlock. So that's a couple different books. That's a couple books after the Black Panther. also... Oh, no, no. I know Hive. Hive, for some reason, I was thinking there was a Hive in DC, too. But every... I love that every uh, comic universe just has, like, these weird cults of scientists. That's exactly what it was, yeah. Because there's Hydra and Hive in... um, are Marvel's two big mm-hmm. ones, I think. Yeah, so they create Adam Warlock, and then and that's in the Fantastic Four book again. But really? Then, well, yeah, or at least the, they introduce the Beehive, and they're working on something. Maybe they don't say what it is, but then you... I think it is the first appearance of Adam Warlock, but it's at the end. But then he gets his own t- uh, cover, which is Marvel premiere number one. So they started doing these premiere series. I don't know really why. I think it was just because, hey, we have these cool characters like Adam Warlock, and then eventually Doctor Strange that don't have their own books, but we can just kind of introduce them in here and and give them some stories. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we're even talking about. The same concept, we want them to interject into that uh, Timverse Mm -hmm. is, yeah, doing little standalone stuff to really gauge on, wait until you find someone who can write these characters as opposed to just forcing it upon someone. I get that it is someone's job for that, but you do see when people write stories that are they're just better at mm-hmm. that you're like, yeah, you should keep writing. Yeah, they're not this. gonna give, they're not just gonna give them a whole book right away. And that, like I said, they they obviously stopped doing the Doctor Strange cover for a reason. Yeah, maybe it just wasn't popular. So after they did, I think they did one or two Marvel premieres. The first two with uh, Adam Warlock okay. might have just been the first one. I don't know, but then it's then it's Doctor Strange, and he has a good like ten book run on these Marvel premieres. It's like three through. 14, I think. Are all and then Doctor 14 Strange is the heavy. one I'm going over right now. Okay. So this whole Marvel premiere run with Doctor Strange, it's and it's billed as Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts. I think that's kind of where they start doing that full title. Um, he goes through all these different adventures throughout these Marvel premieres where he's um, fighting these different monsters that are being summoned, and he realizes that this is all leading up to Shumagorath. Are you familiar yeah. with that? So he's the big entity that's like, Big tentacle monster with the fucking giant eyeball. Oh, it is, yeah. Basically, like a just a world or galaxy ender, almost like a Dormammu or something like that. Yeah, something along. They that. actually kind of the way they did Dormammu in the uh, Doctor Strange movie kind of reminded me more of a Shumagorath type Galactus type world ender. I can totally believe you know what I'm that saying? because Dormammu, I think at least when comic book readers think about him, you think about the, the guy with the big fiery head, and yeah, and, and he is more like life size, like he's just more regular size yeah. to a person. But it would make the way they did it. I get it. It's like we were talking about with Annihilation and Doom. Like they just kind of mixed them. They kind of mixed them together. Yeah. And I'm wondering. Uh, speaking of Shumagorath, though, I think it's Cthulhu. 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 Very similar, but yeah, he's one of the monsters that was summoned leading up to the Shumagorath. Okay. And like, it takes so long, and he fights so many different monsters. Like at one point, he's at like. It's all these people that are like possessed by some stone and they're like reptiles. And then there's like, Classic. he fights a reptile monster, then like a dragon monster, and then the Cthulhu. And then, literally, like by the time I think it's the 12 or 13, the Marvel premiere, and it's called 
And finally, Shumagorath, because it takes forever to come to this big battle. It's very uh, Dragon Ball Z style. Very much so. So then after that, that, that kind of wraps up the Shumagorath thing. Um, and this is when we get introduced to the book of Cagliostro. Okay. And so basically they find out that there's spells in this book that you can travel through time without altering your future somehow, which so is important. I, I was going to say, that is the same book from Doctor Strange 1, yeah. where he's learning how to use the like time, the time spells. Yeah, so that's cool. Like, you know, these Marvel movies were taken from, I think, this specific run. And it, it's important to keep in mind this Marvel premiere 14 I'm talking about actually is the last of that Marvel premiere run. Shortly after, they do give Doctor Strange his own book own. again. Okay. Again. So it's vol- I think it's technically volume two. And that was the 70s Doctor Strange. That was a pretty good run. And a lot of this was Frank Runner. Um, he was really carried a torch for Doctor Strange. Frank Runner? Uh, Brunner with a B. Brunner, okay. So, and he just, he drew him awesome. And just, you could tell he was very invested. In I was going to say, he did the seven because the 70s yes. run, I want to say, isn't that the most iconic kind of? I would say that. And like, the late Silver Age stuff, the okay. the Volume One Doctor Strange. That's Gene Colan did a lot of those. Is that or, those, those are, are like really the two too. notorious like trippy runs of it though, where it has a lot of like oh yeah, almost kind of how Do- or Nick Fury was, where Nick Fury was a very like 60s, 70s, like almost like disco for lack of a better term, where it's just like a lot of colors and like almost trippy. Yeah, very much so, and you see it a lot in this Marvel premiere number fourteen. So, getting back to what I was saying, Book of Cagliostro, you can. They find these spells where you can travel through time and you can do it, but you, it doesn't alter your future somehow. Yeah. And that's very important to mention because uh, Baron Mordor starts using this book and he starts going through time. And they're kind of, I love a good like time chase, you know, like he's going back to the past. We have to come after. Eventually, Cagliostro appears to them, the actual, that. who they think it is, but it's actually not Cagliostro. It is a wizard from like the 40th century named Cis Nieg. Have you ever heard of this story? No. It's a, so it's spelled S I S E dash N E G. Cisnieg, I believe is how you say it. All right. He reveals himself. He's like, oh, I'm not Cagliostro, but I'm going to use this book of spells, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go through the past to become ultra-powerful and basically become a god. And they literally, they end up in, like, they go from, like, 18th century France to, like, medieval times, back to, like, Gamora and, like, oh, yeah. uh, other biblical times, and then all the way back to, like, prehistoric times, basically to the begin. they get all the way to back to the beginning of time, and... Uh, basically, this C. Snag guy just re- realizes that life is beautiful. The creation of life is beautiful. And long story short, C. Snag is Genesis, like the book of Genesis, and he basically is just God. So you f- and like I just thought that was so Whoa. trippy. They go all the way back in time with this guy who wants to become the most ultra powerful wizard, which he basically does. But that equates to him becoming, becoming God. God, yeah, or Genesis, quote unquote. So I just thought that was so. Int- I-, I got done reading this book. I was like. Dude, that was crazy. Like, you it, have to read it, man. It's it's insane. That's so interesting because I wonder if that character not like where that character is now in Marvel Comics. Cause when you when I hear about all these like Silver Age, Golden Age characters, like characters that have insane backstories, but have kind of fallen to the wayside just due to whatever direction books are going or just, you know, what the company wants. These older characters are the ones that they're pulling from. And these are the stories that like all the movies are like, yeah, this is what we want it to be. Yeah, I mean the story. I mean, like even just me explaining it, it seemed a little convoluted, but it it, it is just very cool in the way that they do it, and it's just an interesting. I'd never seen a story like that in comics. You know, usually yeah. it's just let's go break it, up the bank robbery. It's you very, know? it's very just one tonal, and yeah. I think that's what we're so used to with Batman's and even Superman and stuff like that. It's, I think Doctor Strange and Marvel in general were so successful early on. Because they took different turns on it to show, like, oh, yeah, it's not just as straightforward as that. Or there's other weird issues that characters are going through that it's not just like, we got to stop the bank robbery. All right, throw a batarang. Bank robbery's been stopped. It's like Peter Parker being like, all right, I can stop the scorpion, but how do I ask when Stacy Right, it's the same thing I've always said, like... When these characters take place in like time travel or space in general, they're just more interesting and it's funner. So this this Doctor Strange run number three through fourteen, definitely check it out. It's Marvel Marvel premiere number three through fourteen. Last two, which is same book really. I think Teen Titans number one, the original Marv Wolfman run, should have definitely been on there. Okay, I haven't personally read from the sixties, right? It's from the sixties, um, but I've read the Jeff Johns version of it, which I fucked with way harder uh, just because it was newer and I, you kind of relate more to it. Yeah. the new version of like oh they have an iPod so as a kid you're like I have an iPod too <laughs> but I do like that 
Teen Titans came about and people fucked with it super hard. It was the first time kids were able to have – it was a kid's team, and it made younger people be like, oh, I can do this. It's the same way in that book they had the first assembly of Bucky Barnes and his, like, junior Avengers type thing. I think Teen Titans way, made way more of an impact yeah. than any kid's team on fucking Marvel – Oh yeah, and I I uh, I was never a big Teen Titans fan, but honestly, the people that are Teen Titans fans are big fans. They love it, and there's yeah. also been a bunch of great iterations of the show, including you have the original Teen Titans cartoon that was on Netflix or not Netflix Cartoon Network. You had Teen Titans Go that people really fucked with. That was way oh, more the cartoons, yeah, childish. And then they had um, the Young Justice show, which was on uh, Cartoon Network for a couple years, yeah, and then. I think it went over to Netflix, maybe, where they did two more seasons. But that's essentially Young or Teen Titans too. I just always thought Robin was cool, Kid Flash was cool, and them all being able to like hang out is just so much more ideal for yeah. someone getting it's like a little in. frat house. Yeah. yeah, it's just you. It's a good way to get into comics because it's not as ultra grim, but they are still deep stories, and they stay confined to that group of people, and they don't really jet out into the giant universe that is DC. Which they totally could. Which they could, but they try they I think they try to. to stay more contained for people who are reading them to just be fans of Teen Titans and not have to be like, all right, let me go read this random Batman, this random Green Lantern, and this random Flash to get the rest of the story. Yeah, that's always been a little... It, it, you know, you have to read every single run to get what's going on in the story that you only, the only specific I, story you care about. I get it with crossover events, but there's a, other times where you're like, I don't want to just buy one Flash comic to read what happens in this Batman I when feel I like don't back, collect Flash. Well, I feel like back then, if they had nothing better to do, they just would. You know, they <laughs> oh, they would love <laughs> like, to. Like, oh, just, I got to wait for the new Teen Titans book anyway, so. They would definitely just love to tie all that shit together, and you're like, yeah, this is not going to work that way. <laughs> What uh? What do you got for your last book? Bud? So my final book is a Green Lantern. Uh, important to mention, it's Green Lantern Volume Two. So okay. the original Green Lantern, the um, was Alan Scott, that was from 1941. That only lasted for 38 books, and then took a little break, uh, and then the Volume Two came back out in 1960. And that re—that's the one that everyone really knows. Yeah, and that loves. reinvents. It's, it's the the go-to cot, the Gil Kane, you know, uh, Silver Age illustration. And Hal Jordan. The Hal Jordan. Your Hal Jordan. So this volume, this is Green Lantern number 72, 172, I'm sorry, from 1984. Uh, the name of the book is Judgment Day. So I've I believe I've mentioned this run before. It's Len Wein and Dave Gibbons. Okay. Uh, Len Wein, very famous for creating. Uh, Wolverine, but also Swamp Thing, which I found out recently, which is pretty cool. So, and then Dave Gibbons, you might know from Watchmen. Team, he would later go on to team up with um, Alan Moore and Alan do Watchmen. Moore to do Watchmen. And gotcha. I love Dave Gibbons. He's one of Dave Gibbons, one of my favorite artists, artists. comic book artists for sure. His um, his characters, it's, it's it's very soft, and it almost is reminiscent of like a Golden Age style, but it is much more refined and has that Silver Age feel to it. I was going to say, that's kind of when they started combining those two things to let comics have that older feeling, but still feel up to date, if yeah. that makes sense, is where, yeah, you get a lot of beautiful art, especially in like a Watchmen type thing. And I'm yeah. sure in this same with the Green Lantern. You, the character, the way that he draws Green Lantern and all the other characters, yeah, you can tell it looks a lot like the Watchmen uh, heroes and stuff. So uh, in Judgment Day, um, He's basically being, he's on trial. Green Lantern's always getting shit from the Guardians, yeah. the little blue guys. And uh, they're basically saying, hey, you care too much about Earth. You're not focusing on your entire sector. I remember, yeah, you tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, Sector 2814. There's tons of planets here. Why are you just focused on Earth? You know, we don't Earth want you rocks, fucking. dude. <laughs> it, it's just. Uh... He, and he makes the case that, you know, this is this place is, makes me who I am, and there's people that I really care about on this. He goes, I understand what you're saying. I will pay more attention to these other planets, because they're going to take away his ring. Yeah, I you mean, know, they got to play daddy. He's you know, not doing a great job him. at, like, protecting everywhere but Earth. He's not, and he and he owns up to it, and he goes, I, I promise I will get better. He's like, but I can't turn my back on Earth. I need to go back to Earth. I need it as my home base. He's literally getting out of, like, exile. They had exiled him for years, and they're basically deciding whether they're going to take his ring or not. They decide to let him keep the ring. They decide to let him go back to Earth. Um, another reason I really like this book is Dave Gibbons and Len Wein do these really cool stuff with the ring. I'm always down when they can actually use his ring for something creative. Something different than just like very basic stru like yeah, structures. Yeah, and, and some of them are kind of silly. Actually, most of them are silly, but somewhat practical at the same time, if that makes sense. So in the very beginning panels of the book, he's flying to his trial, his Judgment Day trial, 
and there's a bunch of meteors heading towards this inhibited planet. And he uses his ring to make a giant pool cue to knock the meteors, ricochet off each other, turn into space dust, and then he blasts all the smaller fragments up with his ring. And it's, he literally cues it up. He's got a little finger. The little, like, the hole drawn out, yeah. And I'm like, that is so interesting. It You have this ring that can do anything. You have to... When it's just like baseball bat every time, you're like, come on. <laughs> we'll do pool cue this time. It, but it's doing something different with it. He has, yeah. I know that. That's or the I'm, baseball mitt to catch a car. He did yeah. that in that in the same run. Because it, it's like a, it's, um, it's like a 10 book run, maybe more with, with the two of them. But he also like, um, he gets, he rings up a bank robbery at one point in the book and he's getting shot at by the robbers. And the, he turns the ring into like all these little tiny hands that catch the bullets out of the air. <laughs> It's, it's pretty cool. And then another time he has a guy in a mouse trap. He turns it into a mouse trap. Dude, and just, you can tell this guy is like dying. He's like, he's, like snapped his in half. spine's just broken. <laughs> yeah. And then in another one, he, uh, it's like some drunkard on the street. And to like save him, he like catches him in like a giant booze bottle. With like the three X's on it, like what? Year, what is what is going on here? But I just you're a did, drunk. He did silly part, silly stuff with the ring, and uh, he goes back to Ferris Aircraft and sees uh, his girl Carol. Yeah, he sees his girl Carol with this kissing this other guy, and he gets real pissed off. And then she's like, uh, "No, you idiot! He's just a new guy at work. I was congratulating him on his promotion." And he's like, "Oh, well, I feel like it." But then that's like a whole thing that goes on in the story. I was gonna say, does that end up? Leading no, into- uh, I can't remember what happens with that character's name. I can't. Remember. It's I think it's Clive something. But anyways, and then the next book, uh, one seventy three, he fights the javelin. Are you familiar with yeah. him? The the ger- he's German, and they they have to make sure you know that he's German because he just uses Z. Z- I yeah, throw the, whole- the javelin. <laughs> That's how they. I love when they try to do accents in comics, and you're like, this is coming off so poorly. <laughs> you're like, this does not make any sense. But so, and volume. T- so I mentioned Green Lantern Volume One went for 38 books. Volume Two went for 200 books, and then Volume Three was 181 books. And that Volume Three was cool. That was in the 90s. It started in 1990. Was that the Parallax Saga and, and that's everything? That's the Parallax Saga and the Emerald. It comes right out of Emerald, Emerald Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, and that has one of like the one book in that run. I think it's 49. Or, but he has the where he has all the rings. He literally has like seven yeah, he, rings, like I fucking Tom Brady style. Yeah, yeah. that's that a is, sick cover, dude. I was gonna say I and we talked about this a little bit earlier. All the Green Lantern stuff. If you when you get into those runs. You're almost sitting down to commit to wanting to read everything because it they can seem daunting at first if you don't know where to start, but once you get in, it's just such a rabbit hole. Yeah. Because there's so much happening that you want to learn about all these other characters. And them just being a pol- police force in outer space is so interesting that you're like, I could learn about any sector mm-hmm. and still love it. Yeah. Um, they are doing, speaking of, I think HBO Max is getting... Green Lantern TV show coming. Yeah, I, I'm super live action. I believe live oh, action. That'll be cool. Maybe that's where he should be because obviously I, they tried the movie, didn't work. I agree. I think there's too much going on in Green Lantern that you should make it almost a procedural cop type show in outer space. Yeah, and they've done some one-off animated uh, like hour-long specials, which were great. And I, I was gonna say the T. There was a Cartoon Network show that gets a lot of praise. That was a Green Lantern show. Oh, really? That only ran for a small period of time because all that stuff is based. The Hal Jordan? Yeah, Hal Jordan. Only thing any of those shows are based off of is merch sales. So if kids aren't buying the toys, they just cancel it. Yeah. Ratings mean nothing to them at those stations. With a show like that. With yeah. shows like that, they're like, oh, whatever. It's not getting toy sales. We're moving on. But, dude, I think those were all yeah. some pretty. Solid books, honestly. Yeah, I'll, we'll uh, we'll do a post on Instagram. We'll have the covers. We'll do like a absolutely. And I was gonna say, I know next week I kind of want to get into. We have the year by year Marvel breakdown. Oh, that I was book you say, have. We could almost just maybe knock out year two, year two each episode. Yeah, and just quick little blurb on it. That'd be cool. See what was happening. Yeah. Oh, it goes year by year, huh? Yeah, it goes year I by year. That. So it'll be perfect to just be like, hey, we can do. Let's do 64 through blah, blah, blah. And it just gives you, these are some of the characters. These are some of the big books that dropped. And I'm all like, about a good timeline book. Uh, right it's here, dude. I have a Grateful Dead one that my buddy got me like back in high school. And I still crack it open sometime. It's just an interesting you know? thing to look at. And you, you're you just reading kind of blurbs and seeing like, oh, man, I can't believe this is when that came out. Is it? Will they have like little side story panels? It, yeah. yeah I some love, oh, my God. I love books like that. Dude, I think that book is going to be a nice little addition to... Uh, Rounding out what we want their show to be in the future, For going sure. through you know a couple books that we really fuck with, or a couple storylines even 
that we really get down with. Yeah. And just to explain to people in almost the Reddit, explain to me like I'm five style, where yeah. it's just like, hey, here's the really basic rundown. And yeah, like you said, if it causes anyone to even pick up a comic or go on Comixology or fandom, I use fandom, fandom wherever you want to go to get yeah. comics, it is something that it's light to read. It's not picking up Tolstoy. It's, <laughs> you know, it's a book you can read and enjoy for a little bit of time. And it's not just, it's not as kids based as it used to be. It's, you know, yeah. oh, if, there's just so much to it, man. If you're interested in movies, whether it's any comic stuff, even like independent things, reading those books is not going to take you six months. And it's going to take you maybe six hours if you read it yeah. all and if the you way want, through. And if you want to skip some issues, yeah, just like read the synopsis on your Marvel data, on the Marvel database. 100%. Yeah. You and know, then pick up, oh, when it gets interesting again. It, that's And you find artists that you like and writers that you like, people that write stories or make characters in certain ways that you fucking really get with. And it's just such a fun thing to poke around through and yeah. get involved with. Yeah, and if you guys, if there's any other topics you want to hear us talk about, just yeah. message us on Instagram, at Threads and Dreads Pod. We'd love to hear what you guys think. And also, make sure you are checking us out at patreon.com backslash Threads and Dreads. $5 a month, we're going to be dropping new episodes, some videos, all sorts of different stuff. If you have anything you want to see on there, please let us know. We'll Again, do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do We'll fucking, we'll do, fucking it, man. do it, dude. <laughs> Just uh, let us know on Instagram, and we'll be responding to anyone who hits us back. We're going to be, I think, shooting for Wednesday recording on Comics Corner seems to be yeah. the schedule. So if you are listening, quick little schedule rundown is going to be Monday, some interviews, Wednesday, some comics, Thursday, be better. And we got all the time in the world in between. <laughs> so make sure you're following us on Instagram. Make sure you're listening on Spotify. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Peace.